I'd like to read with you this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14, and uh, we'll link this in to the story of Christmas this morning. Wonderful, wonderful passage of God's word. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from the worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Sorry. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm sure that many of you have seen over recent months a BBC television series called The Baby Has Landed. And I, probably along with thousands of other speakers on Sundays and Christmas time this year, thought there would be a great title for a Christmas message. The Baby Has Landed. Uh, Not a very original one, I'm afraid, but there it is. The series is about the experience of mums and dads, new mums and dads. When a child arrives, a baby comes into the family setting. And it's a series about the joy, the excitement, the thrill also about the sleepless nights and sometimes the trauma and the challenge that takes place when a new life comes into a family. And I guess it would be fair for us to say that Joseph and Mary will have experienced exactly the same thing. The highs, the lows, the joy of a new child, the hard work of sleepless nights and the energy required sometimes to look after them when you're physically exhausted. The highs and the lows A baby has landed. As we celebrate Christmas, as Christians in the 21st century, we are well aware that the baby landed 2,000 years ago. And yet actually, as we come to Christmas time through the Advent season, we are gearing up in our own hearts to kind of welcome again the baby who came 2,000 years ago. I hope that you're excited about the Christmas story. I hope that you're looking again to consider the coming of Christ and all that that means for us. And the problem for us is that our familiarity with the Christmas story, even our being here this morning, can lead to a kind of um, unintended contempt. In other words, we're so familiar with the story, we're so 
in it, as it were, that we forget what the message really is. It doesn't communicate to our hearts. There is a story told of an old country church in America which had a community of people who weren't well educated, they would not been to university, life was very simple for them, and the petition was suggested in order to buy a new chandelier to put in the church porchway. And uh, so there was some discussion about it, and they said, we'll have a church meeting and we'll discuss this event. And, and the church meeting went on and on for ages, two, two and a half hours, arguments for and against. And finally, an elderly farmer stood up at the back of the evening. He said, I'll give you three reasons why we shouldn't buy a new chandelier. Number one, I don't think we can afford it. Number two, I've watched our musicians. I don't think there's anyone here who can play a chandelier. Number three, what we really need is a new light in the porch of the church. See, he was present, but something was missing in his understanding of what was actually going on. Something wasn't communicated. And in the same way, we can rush through another Christmas without really allowing our hearts to understand just what happened 2,000 years ago. So my prayer for you is this. If you remember nothing else of this sermon... If you remember nothing else about today, that you might, by God's grace, remember the staggering truth about the manger and about the cross of Calvary and what Paul says about it in 2 Corinthians 5.19, where he reminds us of this reality. God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. I hope the story of Christmas never ever loses its wonder for you, however old you get. I hope the story never loses its beauty. I hope it always thrills your heart. I pray that the coming of the Christ will always be for you, in the words of the angels to the shepherds, good news of great joy. And the story is all those things. Beautiful, wonderful, and good news of great joy. Because in that manger scene that we're so familiar with, God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. So let me say a few quick things to help us focus on that truth this morning. First of all, Christ's coming to Bethlehem was always God's plan. It was God's plan. Verse 18 of our reading says this. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. When you look at a Christmas card this week, when you look at a manger scene, a crib, whatever, will you remember this in your heart? That was God's plan. God's plan for me and God's plan for a lost world. We see it in the events of the nativity. The angels come and they sing to the shepherds. They tell them what has happened, how they can go and discover the reality of it for themselves. And then they sing this. However much they understood about what was going on, I don't know. But they shout this out from the tops of their voices. Glory to God in the highest. I don't know to the extent to which they understood the plan, but they knew it was God's plan to love and to bless mankind. And their response was, glory to God in the highest. In Luke chapter 1, verse 32... The angel Gabriel visits the young and greatly troubled Mary. And he begins to say to her, verse 32, The Lord will give your son the throne of David. Not anybody else. 
Listen, Mary, there's a, a divine plan. There's a heavenly plan taking place here. This isn't just an ordinary birth. Your son will be given the throne of his father David, and God will do it. God is at the heart of this plan. Two verses later in our Bibles, in Luke's Gospel, Mary asks the question that we would all ask, how shall this be? Listen to Gabriel's response. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And you will be fruitful. Isn't that beautiful? It's God at work. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in a heart. This is God's plan. This crib, this manger scene, this story that we're so familiar with. It's God's plan. And the real beauty of it is simply this. That God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. It was God's plan, by God's power, for God's glory. That's the heart of the Christmas story. God's plan, by God's power, for God's glory. And in doing so, he was bringing us back to himself. It's the most amazing part of the Christmas story, that God should look on this broken and disillusioned and lost and rebellious world and decide in his wisdom that he himself would come in the person of Christ and redeem it and reconcile it to himself. What kind of a God does that except a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of grace? And God himself in his plan makes a way in which we can come back to him. In the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam, there is a glorious painting by Rembrandt. It's called The Night Watch. And it's a painting of a group of soldiers gathered around candlelight. Someone's holding a lamp. And the candlelight reflects on their faces and on the armour that they're wearing. They're about to go off on duty to guard a building or a city or whatever. The Night Watch. And and it's beautifully painted. You can see their faces and, and their clothing. Just a bit of it in the candlelight. It's the work of a genius. In 1911, a former Dutch Navy chef, angry that he couldn't get a job and was unemployed, ran into the Rijksmuseum and he slashed the painting with a knife. Fortunately, he didn't do a great amount of damage, but the painting was removed. And the workmen, the restorers in the museum, worked on it, with all their skill, and eventually it was restored. No one would know it had been torn, and it was placed back safely on the wall until the 14th of September, 1975, when another unemployed person, angry at not being able to job, ran into the Rijksmuseum and slashed the same painting, this time with a longer knife. There were 12-inch slits in the canvas. And again, it was taken down and the restorers took it to their workshop and painstakingly, they restored the gap and they overpainted the painting and eventually it went back on display in the Rijksmuseum until the 6th of August 1990 when someone who had escaped from a hospital threw acid on the painting. And there were security men nearby with bottles of water. They squirted their water onto the painting, the acid Uh, was diluted, the damage was minimalised and the painting was taken down and went to the restorers and they worked for months again and today you can see the restored picture of the night watch in the Rijksmuseum Amsterdam I understand it's behind glass now (laughs) 
but you can see it. Look, here's the point. In that manger at Bethlehem, God himself planned to send the master restorer to restore broken lives. And it doesn't matter who you are this morning, how much life has slashed you, how much life and its bad things have cut you, how much family life has been almost like a caustic bleach or or acid on your life. It doesn't matter. God is able to restore you to the likeness that he first planned for you. He's able to do it if you will let him. And the story of the manger is exactly that. God in Christ was reconciling us to himself. The master restorer had come to make us back into the image of God that God always intended us to be. And for 2,000 years, his work on planet Earth has been this, that life by individual life, God in Christ has been reconciling men and women to himself. This is the story of Christmas. This is why we remember the manger and the shepherds and the angels and the wise men and everything else. The baby has landed. God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. Then secondly, I trust we'll remember this. God was in Christ who came willingly to Bethlehem. Our understanding of the Trinity is understandably limited. But what we do know that God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit exist internally, eternally in total and perfect unity. So when we read John 3.16 that tells us that God loved the world so much that he sent his only Son we need to realise that there was no duress put on Jesus. It wasn't a family conflag in which he was pressurised to do something against his will. That's why Steve Chalk's remarks about cosmic child abuse are so far wrong from the truth. Jesus came willingly to be your saviour and to be mine. Isn't that wonderful news? In Hebrews chapter 12, we read these words. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and that he is now sat at the right hand of God. For the joy that was set before him. That's you and me. And it's hard to believe, isn't it? I look in the mirror first thing. We've got downlighters in the bathroom. Has anyone else got downlighters? Never put downlighters in the bathroom. Or if you do, don't turn the lights on first thing in the morning. Every floor is highlighted. I, look, I think, goodness me, is that really me? I've stopped using makeup. I go to an embalmer now. It just lasts longer. Sometimes we think about ourselves. We think, how could anyone ever love or even appreciate us? Listen, the Christmas story is for the joy that was set before him. For you, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and he triumphed because today he is seated at the right hand of the Father. John Piper puts it like this, Christ existed before the incarnation. He was spirit. He was the eternal God. He was with God and he was God. But he took on flesh and blood and clothed his deity with humanity. He became fully man and remained fully God. And he adds these words. It's a great mystery in many ways, but it is at the heart of our faith. And it's what the Bible teaches. And we know that from Philippians 2, where we're reminded that Christ 
being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to use to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Charles Wesley summed up the mystery with those two magnificent poetic lines. Our God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. That's the Christmas story. God with us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you look at those cards, they beautifully painted with their sweet and powerful images. If they tell us anything, they tell us that a saviour came willingly to die for us. And again, Paul sums up for me the Christmas story in these magnificent words. God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. Praise the Lord. The Christmas story is wonderful. It's God's plan and Jesus came willingly into a dark and hostile world. Let me say this to you before we close in just a few moments. There is a third thing to remember and it's this. God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. Never forget the power of that word reconciliation. Years ago there was a famous playwright called Frederick Lonsdale and uh, he wrote novels and plays and all kinds of things and he was greatly fated in his day. He was a member of a very expensive and exclusive club in London called the Garrick Club but he'd fallen out with one of the members and uh, <clears throat> it got to New Year's Eve and a friend of his said to him, you know Frederick, New Year's Eve is a bad time to be at loggerheads with anyone. Why don't you Forgive him. Why don't you walk across the room and shake his hand and wish him a happy new year? And Lonsdale thought for a moment. Then he got up and the room went quiet and he walked across the room before the dinner started and he approached the man that he'd fallen out with and he shook his hand and he said this, I wish you a very happy new year, but only one. <laughs> Friends, that is not reconciliation. That's a temporary halt to hostilities. But listen, biblical reconciliation is very different. It means the end, the end of the estrangement between God and man that was caused by mankind's sin. The end of it finished by faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to appreciate. It's what we need to understand. That is what we need to carry. That is what we need to be ambassadors of this Christmas time. That God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. And we know and believe the truth of that for ourselves. We've had an election, of course, in the last few days. And I've been reading quite a lot about history and elections uh, over the last week or so. And I was reading about the 1968 election in America. Very interesting time. The presidential candidates were accusing each other. And the nation was incredibly divided about who to vote for. 
It was strong factions on both sides. And then the Vietnam War was in progress. Many of you will remember that, and how students rioted on university campuses, tens of thousands of them calling for the war to come to an end. And then that same year, Martin Luther King Jr., was assassinated and there was more violence and there was anger and great division in the nation and photographers were looking for the photograph that summed up 1968. They found it in a little town called Dreschler, Ohio. There had been a protest against the Vietnam War and against lots of other things happening and the police had come and dispersed the protesters who had dropped their banners on the ground. And one 13-year-old girl had her photograph on every front page in America because she picked up a banner and held it over her head. And it simply said, bring us together. And I want to suggest to you this morning that those words are the heart cry of our lost world, even if many people don't know it yet. I think in our nation... In our world, in our society, there is a deep sense that something is missing. Something that is vital is not there. And it needs to be put back. And people don't know what it is. There's a need for people to come back together again. Can I just say about the election and its result and outcome? Look, friends, of all people, we need to be ministers of reconciliation, not of provocation. We ought to be people who bring healing and wholeness, bringing people back together. But the Christmas story reminds us that what is really missing is a saviour. What our nation needs today above everything else is a saviour. What Europe needs is a saviour. What our politicians need is a saviour. What our society and our young people need is a saviour. And our sin and disobedience means that we've been separated from God. And the real heart cry of so many people in our nation who don't even fully understand it yet is simply God. Bring us together again. 2019 has been an interesting year. Coldplay, the British rock band, announced in an interview held in Jordan in the Middle East, we stand for love and peace and brotherhood. Maybe that's an expression that they perceive there is a need for that. Stormzy, whatever we think about him, it's hard to know, he professes faith in Jesus Christ. But there at Glastonbury this year, live in front of several hundred thousand and many millions around the world, he led worship songs to the Most High God. Kanye West declared, American rapper, Christ is my King. And it seems like throughout the secular world and the nation that we live in, Something is bubbling up in the secular music industry and wherever. A deep spiritual longing for reconciliation with God seems to me to be bubbling through. And you and I, according to Paul and the Holy Spirit, we are ministers of that reconciliation. We're ambassadors as if God were making his appeal through us. How incredible. Reconciliation. The end of estrangement between man and God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love those verses, as you probably know, from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Listen to them for a moment. Therefore, 
since we have been justified by faith, we have, we have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access into this grace in which we now stand. What a marvellous truth of God's word to be able to celebrate any time of the year, but especially this Christmas time. And those words ring true for you, and they ring true for me, and they ring true for more than two billion followers of Jesus Christ who are in this world today. And they remind us that in the manger was not a sentimental story or a nice legend or a wonderful theme for an artist to paint. But in the manger, God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. I hope you are blessed to be a blessing. I hope you're excited about everything that takes place. Enjoy Christmas in a guilt-free way. But remember, God was in Christ, reconciling us to himself. Shall we pray together right now?